Hey, beer and ballet fans, what is up? I hope you had a fabulous two weeks and I can't wait for you to listen to this next interview. But I do want to say before we get started that this was recorded on Zoom. We are still utilizing that wonderful form of communication. However, there are always a little bit of kinks within some of the recordings because of that. So FYI, a little in and out. But this is a fantastic conversation about musical theater. What is musical theater? What is Broadway? Um, there's a fantastic show that we're about to chat about that you should check out on HBO. It's called American Utopia, and it's the lovely work that happens between David Byrne and some fantastic artists that you must know all of their names. They are all amazing, y'all. I can't wait for you to hear all about it. Let's just get started. <laughs> Welcome to another week of Beer and Ballet's podcast. As always, I am your host, Amber Daniels. And this week, I have three amazing people with me, one of which you know, um, you love, you adore. His name is Ricky the Watson. Hello. I was trying to open the beer and make just, a sound effect. But... He just tried to make a joke and it oh, didn't well. land. But it's okay. He tried to open up a beer can. And speaking of which, what are you drinking today? Uh, Baltimore Blonde, brewed in Baltimore from Guinness. Woo! We love a good old Guinness. It's pretty fantastic. Delicious. And friends, we have two new friends gathered with us today on this Her podcast. We know them, we love them, and we're excited to introduce them to you. It is Kevin and Rebecca Rhymes, all the way from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey! Hey! hey. How are y'all doing? We're good. Awesome. How are you? Yeah, we're, we're hanging up here in Baltimore. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, you sipping on anything good tonight? Uh, I am actually sipping on <clears throat> a South Bank India Pale Ale from Ardwolf Brewery right here in Jacksonville, Florida. You know it well. I know that you do. Our fave. Well, we talk about Ardwolf a lot because, and also, y'all were like part of our first participants in Beer and Ballet forever ago. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes, we were there. Yeah. That's Weren't true. you in like the first class? I think you guys were. I think all three of us were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the OG. You're the OG of beer and ballet. And we actually just had a very fantastic trip, um, beer and ballet fans. It was pretty great. We have not had like a really, I don't know, we haven't had a lot of time spent together, like going far away on vacation. Mm -hmm. And it was inspired by one evening, one December crisp evening in Jacksonville, Florida. Are there crisp evenings in Jacksonville? Well, Okay, okay, occasionally. occasionally. I remember that one time. <laughs> <laughs> but we went over to Kevin and Rebecca's house. Mm -hmm. We were there for the holidays. And Kevin, we were trying to figure out what to watch. I think we just wanted to watch a movie together. And Kevin was like, uh-oh, I know the movie to watch. Um, and it was a gift called American Utopia on HBO Max and it was amazing and great and Kevin do you want to talk about like how did you even find this musical so yeah uh yeah and thank god that we decided to watch that that night instead of Silicon Valley I mean Silicon Valley is great excellent show yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah like think about how different things would be right now I mean, we would be sitting here talking about this right now we would not have had the, the absolute blast of a 
good time that we have with you guys up in New York City. But yeah, um, I, well, I found it because, um, I mean, I've been a Talking Heads fan for forever. I mean, I would say I was sort of a mild slash closeted or whatever you want to call it, you know, fan of them going back to my early days of watching MTV, which dates back to, I don't know, 1989, the year you were freaking born. Uh, so, <laughs> I think it was a little before that. Yeah, yeah we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, close, but anyways. Uh, but yeah, I like seeing Talking Hits. So I've, I've been a fan, and then, you know, about 10, 12 years ago, I started listening <clears throat> to their records, as I've told you guys on all the streaming services, and fell even deeper and more madly in love with them as a band, and knowing how amazing of a group of artists they all are but especially David Byrne you know that the, the front man as many people should already know um and uh so I'm well aware of them uh, uh in in the world of arts and music and whatnot and uh we were looking at the Sunray movie theater app we're here in Jacksonville as you guys well know we're in historic five points and scrolling through one night I don't know it was back in the fall or something like that I want to say uh and i came across it actually i take that back i was on instagram i was looking i follow sunray on instagram is what it was actually and they had an advertisement that they were going to be screening uh the movie you know of it and i wasn't even really that super familiar with what exactly what it was at the time uh but when i saw the scroll you know i was scrolling past it, i stopped and looked at it and i was like oh i was like uh david byrne is doing a broadway style musical show and Spike Lee is filming it. You're so, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty easy sell at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I told Rebecca about it, and she was kind of like, "Sure, you know, like she's always just trusting me for you know things like that. Like that sounds fun. I'll go do anything we because we love each other. We're good. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it sounds fun, right? And uh, we went and saw it, and I, I mean, to say that it exceeded my expectations would be a gross understatement. Uh, as somebody familiar with David and, and the Talking Heads and that music, um, it, it went way above and beyond, far above and beyond what anything that I would have imagined. And I would say it's even more so for Rebecca because her expectations were probably relatively limited compared to mine. But yeah, I wasn't really familiar with any of their music, and I have lost count of the number of times I've listened to the soundtrack now. I know. <laughs> I know. Seeing the show, I, yeah. It's like every day. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even when we were sitting there too, like we were talking about this today, is like when we were sitting in your living room and watching this musical, those songs I've heard in my lifetime somehow in some way. I don't I can't depict where. But like those songs are just, I don't know, they're somehow in some way in my history a little bit. Well, they play all the, you know, on all the 80s stations growing up, right? For us and Psycho Killer. And I mean, all the really famous, because you were like, they were punk rockers at one point. And it is, I think you talked about limited expectations too. There, did you guys watch any trailers or anything before you went? No. Oh, yeah, that's, I don't remember there being one. And if there was, no, uh, we, we like yeah. to be surprised. We actually try not to watch trailers so we can just go in just with a blank slate and just see what happens. So. Yeah, I really, I really like going to movies without knowing what it is. And, you know, Sunray, if they're carrying it and I've never heard of it, I'm going to go see it. Because right. even if I don't yeah. end up loving it, it'll at least be an interesting experience because they don't 
play, you know, a lot of stuff that isn't super interesting. Right. Yeah. But anyways, that's that's kind of the deal with that. So yeah, we hadn't really. Yeah. So after we saw it in the theaters, we made it our mission to try to make everyone that we know watch it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you found a really good piece of art. <laughs> that's why when you guys came to visit, we we're like, I know we usually just like to hang out and talk and drink beer, but we need to do this instead for one night. So. Well, and, you know, we know, you know, that you guys are, you know, artists, artists, mm -hmm. if you will, and would appreciate something like that. We were pretty confident that you would have some level of appreciation uh, for something like that. And, 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 and in a best case scenario, Amber, we were honestly hoping that you would find some inspiration in it somewhere, some way. And I think just, it, it certainly seems like it's safe to say that that's an understatement. I mean, there's a whole section about this musical in my thesis, y'all. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah. It was like that night I was so inspired to the point where I went home and like, recorded stuff that I wanted to write about in my thesis because of this musical like mm -hmm. yeah it's it's insane and that's it's, a wonderful gift yeah yeah that's a wonderful gift and it's it's you know it's nice to discover something like that right I think we do get as as audiences sometimes we we do get lost in that we know exactly what the movie's going to be like based on all the trailers that we see on television all the time it's like well I like David Byrne's music it's phenomenal music He's a phenomenal artist. He has been since the 70s. So like you, like you said, Spike Lee, you can't really go wrong with that, but you don't really know what to expect. And now you, all of a sudden you get a really well thought out, beautiful, crafted piece of art and you walk away from it going, everyone that I know needs to see, share in this with us. Right. right? We have to share this thing. Yeah. It's the, it's, the sort of the, it's, a, it's the sort of event for me that when I see something that's as powerful and enjoyable and is moving, as it is, from this point forward, if I ever hear about Spike Lee filming co a concert footage or a show of some type by any artist, I'll be interested in seeing it because I know that even if I don't necessarily love that music for my own personal, you know, within my own personal taste, I know that it'll be a, a cool experience. By the same token, anything that David Byrne does on or out, off camera right i mean if, if i could be blessed with you know the the ability to see that man perform live again in any format mm -hmm. uh, yeah i mean it's those two those two men or groups of people really have earned my trust i think is a really good way to put it so. after the show yeah right. yeah and we have to talk about kind of the baseline of this plot point, I guess, of this musical for our listeners who probably have no earthly idea what we're talking about. But the way that I just want to talk about the first scene in itself, um, and I know we're sticking to the movie right now and eventually we'll move on to the to our adventures in, in the New York of the city. But the very first scene is just a desk and a brain. <laughs> And, and David Byrne. And David Byrne, just sitting there. That's and all that, I ever need in life, by the way. Oh my God. Yeah. And then it, it just, it goes from that and it talks a little bit about like the child brain and how it morphs and manipul manipulates throughout adulthood. And then all of a sudden there's this introduction of two dancers um, who are just kind of doing this almost ballet type movement in this beginning piece. Like it's a ballet storyline almost. Um, 
And then throughout the entire show, it keeps moving forward. But Dave and Vern just keeps like having this open narrative about what the show is about and like the heart of the show, which I thought that that was important. Yeah. You know, he does what we were talking about other shows doing like in Town, where he sort of sort of just sets tells you exactly what to expect like we're gonna go on a little journey and play some music and hang out and be together and just see what happens in it you know we we have somewhere to go we're not quite sure where we're going but. yeah and yeah. there's a quote from David too saying like let's strip everything away let's strip the spectacle off the stage and like here's just who we are and here's what we're presenting and let's just go for it yeah, that's that. Those are good points, guys. I think I think I think the opening track, as you said already here, mm -hmm. um, is uh, a really uh, a perfect sort of overture for for abstract, if you will, for the entire show. Um, but then, as you just pointed out, Amber, too, later on, you know, um, closer to the crescendo of, of of the show, he comes out and talks about how. You know, at the end of the day, what we find most interesting, or at least what David found most interesting, and he thinks most people agree, is other people. And yeah. So, and yeah. the idea, and so that idea that, well, what would happen if we just sort of stripped everything else away off the stage, and it's just us in these matching gray suits and our bare feet playing our instruments and singing, you know, and and that's the show. That's the show. Yeah. It makes, it really, I was thinking about this the other day, it makes me think of, of Greek theater. Like we've almost, you know, you've got that Broadway, we have, you know, a thousand characters and all this choreography and stuff like that. But when you really strip away all that stuff and you have a chorus of people singing and dancing, you know, the, the story really is through the songs of the thing with one character sort of just talking you through a general narrative, right? And I just, it's, it's a that's as close to me. I don't know. It was kind of an interesting form, right? It's it's not a Broadway musical musical. It's a it's a totally different yeah. narrative that doesn't that you you get to experience with the people on stage as opposed to the opposite. They yeah, you, you, yeah. It's a it's a very interesting amalgamation, if you will, of a stereotypical or archetypal Broadway show and a rock concert. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially what it is, and I think that's part of why it's gained so much appeal is because, uh, you know, especially my generation and younger, and really the generation you know um, past mine, you know, live rock music, you know, concerts are at an all-time fever pitch, and especially in the states, like really all over the world, um, you know, because rock and roll music has been around for such a long time now that even like elderly people are rock fans right so, so there's a huge audience for that stuff and that's why you've been seeing for going back probably 25 years now or more you've seen television commercials on nationwide advertisements that are licensing you know old rock band songs i mean right. for, yeah. for decades now we've been hearing these songs that were staples of fm radio for the longest time and i think you know, i say all that to say that you know it's gotten to this point to where that's a really appealing thing. And I think that when you do what David did, which is to take something, um, you know, that sort of is along those lines and meld it together with something like Broadway, which is another really cool, massively appealing in American, uh, thing in American culture, you have some, some magic. And I think that's why it's been, you know, because even for, even for people that don't know Talking Heads music quite as well as someone like, 
me, <laughs> being the quintessential fan that I am. Uh, but, uh, you know, like you guys were kind of saying earlier, you, you've heard those songs at some point in your life. Talking Heads is one of those bands. They're not so ubiquitous that it's like, oh, it's Michael Jackson or Madonna or Prince, and you just know. Right. No, you don't necessarily know who it is, you know what I mean, when you hear them. But you kind of know those songs, and they just pop up every so often. And even the ones you've only heard maybe once or twice, they're cool enough songs to where even though you have no idea what they're called, no idea who performs them, and no idea where you heard it all those years ago. But when you hear it, it strikes a little chord, no pun intended, in you. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's, that's part of why I love them, because mm. they're one of those groups that does that. And that's, that's a very rare thing. To me to be able to produce that sort of a thing um you know especially in more modern music but anyways that's uh yeah that, that's a good uh i think that's a good sort of way to round up why american utopia i think has been so popular and well received as it's been yeah i think so well it's that idea of invitation too and like rebecca you and i shared the the background of dance so like we we really I don't know we took to heart all of the the choreography that um, Annie D Parsons did in this show. It's so I don't know it's so gestural, but the energy behind the gesture is what's really important within the movement entirely. But yeah, yeah, yeah it just it just looks so fun and it's so you know granted maybe we have a different perspective being dancers, but because it's more pedestrian kind of movement. I feel like it invites the audience in a little bit more. It feels like it's something that we could do with them if we wanted to as an audience member. It's not something that like they just did six pirouettes and you're like, I could try my whole life and never do that. You know, like you can you can learn these movements and participate in it. And you know, it's a good way to to get moving and feel like you're getting involved as an audience member. And um, yeah, it's just really fun. It makes it feel more inclusive. ballet fans just pop it in to say hey what's up are you enjoying the podcast are you so excited to go turn on hbo right now and watch american utopia i hope so but in the meantime let me pop in here and just say thank you all so much for your support during pride month i am so i I just my mind is blown to say that we have raised 500 dollars for the trevor project that's right $500. And you know what? That was all because of you. We really appreciate your support during this time to celebrate a really wonderful organization for our young LGBTQ plus community. Now I will say this, that lovely pride merch that we were selling throughout June, guess what? We're selling it all year. So at any point in time, if you want to grab a birthday present, if you want to grab I don't know, another one of the amazing shirts that we have, thanks to Bonfire, you can go ahead and do that year round and know that 50% of the proceeds will always go to the Trevor Project for this pride design. So yeah, I I hope you really enjoy and I just, I can't thank you enough to participate in this wonderful donation process. So, all right, friends, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, and the dynamic of, two dancers who like have nothing on them, right? Like there's no props, there's no gimmicks. Everyone in this show is just wearing a gray suit, bare feet, like so simplistic. And then eventually the entire like band comes out and they have these like 
you know, contraptions and structure, like structures on them that's that's helping them hold on these instruments. But these dance, like these percussionists are also participating in the choreography itself, which is mind boggling to me. Oh yeah. I mean, think about think about anybody, if you've ever met anyone who was a marching, marching band, band in marching band, talk about how much you have to drill that while you're playing and you're singing and you're emoting, right? Because you can see, they could see the audience for a good number of that show, a good portion of that show, I think. Um, at least the front row, obviously. But in, yeah, talk to any marching band person about how hard marching band is. Now add, you know, you're in a Broadway show, you're on a small stage doing all of that and having to sing and play. Oh, it's just insane. Yeah. 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 The, the amount of practice that they must have had to do is just mind boggling. Even just watching like they're blocking and some of the really complex um, like shapes that they're making together and there are parts where they're kind of rotating and turning around and there's one part where they're all sort of like in a circle and one of the dancers is sort of skipping in and out of the circle kind of around. I don't know if you remember that part. And <sighs> if, if you watch really carefully, you can see just a split second before the dancer is going to go through in or out of the circle and the people on either side just separate ever so slightly to give that space and then just hug back in. It's just so subtle only if you're looking for it, but it's like that's the kind of precision and extreme attention to detail to the show that I think makes it look like it maybe looks simple, but it's not. It's I mean, so I can't complex. I can't even begin to imagine. I mean, yeah, there probably aren't very many people that could do that level of control and spatial awareness and blocking while also dancing and playing an instrument and singing and emoting and making faces and engaging with the audience. That's a lot. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it takes you know, I think especially as any kind of artist is always like, oh, I just want to do simple things. Well, simple's really calm. It's really hard to do something simply yeah. because to be able to, to do all of those things, even if it's just like, oh, we're just in bare feet. Well, no, if you really mess up, you could hurt somebody, you know, you're kicking things and, and doing that. You don't something have the protection of shoes. Yeah. And it's the, this, the more simple that something is, the, you, 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 you have to really find what you're grabbing the audience with. It's not like you can just have a bunch of spectacle and, oh, walk away from the show and go, well, the music was nice and the set was beautiful and the costumes were gorgeous. And, you know, which I think happens with a lot of shows, but go, well, they didn't really have complicated costumes. They didn't have complicated uh, anything else. It was just them and they held our attention the entire time, right? Because it's precision, it's precise, it's practice, practice, practice. The hardest thing to tattoo is a circle. <laughs> right. right. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Tattoo artists hate having to tattoo circles. Yeah. yeah. Or straight lines, right? Or straight lines, yeah. really, in, in, some, straight in lines. some cases. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The simplest it, thing. Yeah. It takes, and it's, and that's what, once you, and it goes into why it's important to have precision in your, in, in the work itself, I think, right? If you're a dancer, if you're a theater person, and you go, well, you know, I'll just discover my lines as I go through it. No, if you walk in off book, and this is something that I never did as an artist myself, I never walked in off book to the first rehearsal and I lost so much time um, being able to really be with the other actors Dive and stuff. Deep. Cause it was, I was, yeah. it was selfish. It's a really selfish um, shitty thing to do. And musicians, I think understand that rote practice frees you up to be able to like give your drumsticks away to an audience member and go pick them up mm -hmm. and just keep playing and that you can make, you can recover from mistakes. You can really see each other while you're playing and doing all these complicated things because you spent a thousand hours doing like that one song over and over and over again. You don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. 
And they made mistakes during the show when we saw it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw at least three. You know, yeah. it's live. Yeah, it's a couple of them. That's the spirit of, them, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them were more much more blatant than others. But I mean, that's that's part of the show. I mean, we all know that. I mean, and there's nothing obviously. But, but the only reason that's noticeable is because of how incredibly precise and intentional everything is. So like there's you know, there was one moment where we saw the dancer Chris went and picked something off, off the floor. I don't know what it was. We just noticed him, you know, bend over and pick it up. But I never saw where he put it. For all we know, he held it for the next 30 minutes, whatever it right. was. Right. You know? So that's that's still dedication to be like, I see something that I need to address. And I'm just going to quickly address it and move on. Yeah. And, and being all of us being performers, you appreciate that sort of thing. Because, you know, what's the alternative? What are you going to tell the other 11 people on stage? Look out over there in the corner. There's something out. Like jump over it. You know. I mean, you can just deal with it and move on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the funny part about like going from the film to the live performance. So the the next step of the story is that we, you know, after watching this film in Kevin Rebecca's living room, we were like, huh, we should go see this live. Is this possible? And then Rebecca and I, being the most organized people ever. <laughs> <laughs> got our phones out, did some research and, and figured out that like, we could go see the show, but we could go see the show at like the tail end. And speaking of which tonight, as we're recording this podcast, oh, right. it is the very last, I mean, they just finished their last performance on Broadway. Cheers. So like quick cheers <laughs> and toast. Congratulations everybody. Yeah, we saw um, some social media postings before we got on with you guys. Um, that was that was that were speaking to that, you know, and it was kind of it was kind of bittersweet, you know. I'm sure that they're I can't even imagine how emotional it must be for them. I mean, they're they're probably, I would imagine, equal parts relieved to be done with it and to move on to the next thing. But also, you know, I would imagine that when you're in such close quarters, you know, it almost kind of like that that uh, almost kind of like the same concept of when you talk to people that come home after seeing you know like combat you know like in, in war not not to try to compare the two things together but the same sort of line of thinking where you're quote unquote in the trenches where somebody and you trust your life yeah. you know you trust they they trust you and you trust them with each other's lives and you know that sort of camaraderie that you have when you're like as she was just saying a little while ago when you're these tight drum lines and all the different things that they do throughout the show and how tight and um, you know sort of down to perfection that it is and there's got to be some sort of an, a, an emotional transaction to say the least that goes on when something like this is kind of ending for all them it's got to be really really emotional I would imagine yeah so. I, I read an interview recently with Chris and Tendai who were the the two like primary dancers in the show and Chris said something to the effect of like um, so Tendai actually, she left a couple of weeks before the show ended because she got, um, she's actually on a different Broadway show, which I was just reading about that today. Um, so maybe we can see her in another show at some point. But right before she left, Chris wrote like a really sweet post just about um, taking a moment to stop and reflect, like saying that he has never, you know, until working with her, never experienced such complete like unity with another human being while performing and just really appreciating that they, after performing together for so many years, they just felt like they were so perfectly in sync. And that's, you know, as a performer, there's really nothing better than that of just feeling like you're such in unison with someone else. It's, 
it's really cool. And I think you really see that in the Spike Lee in, in the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You really, you really get that a lot, um, in my personal opinion. But, and of course, we didn't get to see her perform when we saw it live. The understudy was in by that point, as she just said. But on the film, you really see it with those two. And it's, yeah. See the, see the movie, people. Well, <laughs> well, that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't really understand is that this show went through so many different tours. Like, you know, David was talking about how it went from like point A, where it was very tiny and they were just experimenting. And here's like this group of people. I don't know if it was all the same people like from the start of it, but I mean, it's years of just trying to figure out what this show is going to become. And then finally, you know, somebody believes in it gives them money to like actually do it as a production and then they finally do it as a production and then somebody's like oh it, it's brilliant enough to where like you should make this into a film and then here goes Spike Lee just being the coolest person of all time making this like one of the greatest films that I think I've ever watched and then you know it, there it is the tail end of it by the time we watched it at least you and me Ricky is like by the tail end of it it's like oh shit I wish I would have been able to see this like three times live on Broadway yeah, yeah. But, Oh, well, yeah. everybody we sat next to and met was like, how many times have you seen it? We're like, this just the one. And everybody, yeah. hey, four or five people were like, oh, no, it's our third time. We're from Vermont. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, I almost sort of implicitly felt like one time show chained. You know, yeah, like, right. yes. how dare you only see this one? <laughs> like, yeah. We really? just found out about it. Yeah. Oh cute little rookies over here, you know. Uh, we saw this six years ago when it was originally on tour. Yeah. Like, oh, Do you even shit. know who David Byrne is? Like, <laughs> they weren't like that, people. No, they, they, really they weren't. Were. They, were. they were very sweet. No, no, no. They were they exaggerated. Were, yeah, that's true. They were actually literally every person around us that we spoke to about it were. And that's the other thing, too, is that. Such lovely humans in the audience. Yeah, I, and, I, and I wonder, you know, you can't help but wonder almost if, you know, that was the experience that most people experienced throughout the theater and also throughout the running of the show. I'd like to think so. Um, but yeah, like that was the other thing too, is that, you know, just having those brief conversations with some other people around us and even just overhearing some of the things people were saying around us made it feel all that much more communal, you know, during the show because we're all losing our minds, you know, half, half the, you know, half the songs, you know, not being able to help literally shaking our rumps in our seat and or standing up and getting down and boogieing, you know, just doing that, like, you know, obviously we would have all done that regardless, but to, to have that sensation that everybody around us was that much into it, if not more, mm -hmm. made getting up and jamming feel so much more communal with the people around us, you know, so it, so it was, it was a really, really neat, really neat experience. I'm very grateful for it. And I think that that's, I think all the things that we're talking about right now is why, you know, when David comes out after the show onto the streets and we all say thank you to him. And I'm thinking to myself, it's kind of weird because I feel like maybe he should be thanking us because we spent, <laughs> you know, spent all this money, but, but that's cool because we are, we're thanking him. I think it's implied we're thanking him so much for giving us the gift of his art yeah you know because he has to do that obviously because that's what he does mm -hmm. um but but it is a gift you yeah. know to everyone else and it's a gift to, to mankind to human to humankind 
Um, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, just creating a safe space for the audience. And, you know, like you said, just to, you know, go back to speaking about the audience. I feel like, granted, since we sadly only went once, I can't really speak to the other shows, but I feel like our audience was really, really, really on fire that night. And I think without saying the words collectively, all of us in the audience decided that it was our mission to make the show extended and be longer because even at the beginning, we weren't ready to, to like handle it being over. So we must've given David and, and the whole crew like at least seven standing ovations where we just like made them like stand there and listen to us like scream and oh, throughout the entire show. Yeah. 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 It was it was like at least seven times throughout the show, if not more, that we were just like, I think we successfully extended the show by like 10 minutes. Oh, hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which that is it's funny. Any any real criticism I have in terms of pacing is the audience's fault, right? <laughs> because at one point, and David Burns, you know, music does there's so many false endings and every time he'd stop for five seconds people would start to clap and it's like just give him a second <laughs> I was yeah. you know yeah. I just yeah. thought it was really funny but it like you're saying Kevin it's <clears throat> the camaraderie of being in the audiences of of, of 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 fans of his music or fans of uh talking heads or just his solo work or the people that are in the show or music right every or the movie like we were mm-hmm. you know coming we all of a sudden like the four of us have this amazing intimate connection of sitting in your room and watching this thing and being like oh my god i mean we've got to go see the show and then you walk into a room of whatever however many people sit in that theater you know a couple hundred at least um and go oh there are hundreds of other people who come for different reasons to come see this from and around the world and we're, yeah from around the world and we're all that that's the communion of art of performing art we're not just watching a movie in a movie theater quietly by ourselves like we're you know you, you you have to look around and sing and dance and not fall off the balcony and do stuff and like yeah. we we all go to art to be seen as an audience member and then to be seen by them and to go see David Byrne and company just share that 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 what they know they have to say to us mm-hmm. it's I call it like a uh, a collective joygasm <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of my that's gonna be the name of my first album, by the way, when I finally get my rock band. There you go. That's perfect. It's perfect. I also am like, this is taking me back to the show where like I'm starting to think about Rebecca's strategy of where we sat at. (laughs) Very intentional because that's me. (laughs) They were fantastic. Yeah, in the movie, there's this one part. I I forget what exactly it's a it's about. Do you remember? Yeah, he so he is um, pretty passionate about different causes. One of which is that he um, feels that everyone should vote. Yeah. Um, so, so much so that he actually has people that he invites to every one of his performances to stay um, out in the lobby and help people register to vote if they are um, if they're not yet registered. Um, so in part of this narrative, he likes to talk about the percentage of people that vote in national elections and local elections, um, and likes to do a visual representation of the audience to show you what that percentage looks like. And he ends up um, highlighting in the audience basically like this um, quadrant that's sort of stage left 
of about 20% of the audience in the film saying this 20% is how many people tend to vote in local elections. And of course, I wanted to make sure we were in that section because we are proud voters. So I wanted to make sure we got our proper representation. Um, but yeah, so his, his kind of joke, but it's a little kind of scary is, you know, he basically just says like, all right, so great. Thank you 20% for deciding what the other 80% are gonna live like now because you made all the decisions. So 80%, are you happy with that? And then there's like this awkward kind of silence. Yeah. But you know, he's trying to make a point, like your voice does matter and you should vote. And you know, he's not trying to tell you how to, just trying to tell you, you, you and your opinion as a human being are valid and important. And you know, you have this, this great right in this country to do that, so you should vote. And you know, I think that's a really important message that he has, and I wanted to make sure that we were accurately represented in the audience as we voting. Alrighty, friends, we're going to pause here. I hope you're enjoying this awesome conversation with Kevin and Rebecca Rhymes and Ricky Watson and myself on our grand adventures in New York City checking out this great show that's called American Utopia. Before we leave you, I just want to remind you that this coming Thursday, July 7th, we will be having an in-person class at Waverly Brewing at 7 o'clock. If you're not in the Baltimore area, hey, no worries. Pop on in on Zoom. We always offer a Zoom room for anyone around the United States, the world, wherever you are. Please come. Please dance with us. Enjoy a brewski or don't. Water's important, too. And we hope to see you soon at the bar. All right, friends, enjoy the next two weeks. We'll see you later. Peace out. Bye.